Bonjour, hola, and hello. Yes, this is I, Jacob Dupree, back with the Misfit Fantasy Football Podcast, accompanied by my always very special associate, Chance. How are you doing tonight, amigo? Really good, sir. Thank you. Um, it was really nice to be able to listen to uh, you and Taylor earlier this week. I haven't been able to do that in a week or so. <laughs> yeah, it was like, who is that weird other guy that just keeps talking about, you know, like Dan Campbell and getting it together and like unity and stuff? I don't know, man. But no, it's good to have him back, pop back on. Uh, he's luckily studying away, doing the good things someone does that still has to study for their job, which <laughs> not you or I, I believe in us. Oh, I did my time. <laughs> I did my time. I paid my crime and I got out of there. But anyways, so Chance kind of came up with a good idea earlier today of we're going to do a divisional dynasty breakdown. I could try to think of a third D word to fit in there that made the still be, you know, like clean. So I didn't have to put the explicit tag on it. Dynasty. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Dynasty, like a quad. dynasty divisional deep dive. It's a lot of yeah. D's. A minute. It's a lot of D's. <laughs> <laughs> no. So explicit tag just added. <laughs> But so we're today we're going to start off and basically we're going to um, go through each division. We're going to try to do eight teams in the span of the first half of the episodes. Um, just kind of a general dynasty outlook with how the season has gone thus far for these teams. Um, so just right out of the gate, we'll start with probably one of the more fun teams to talk about in the AFC West. We're going to do the AFC West and NFC West today. Um, AFC West, Kansas City Chiefs. And I mean, obviously, whenever we say Kansas City Chiefs, I hear my wife in the background singing, Pat Mahomes. Gross. Get out of my life. I'm like the frog. <laughs> no, that's what I say every time. But I mean, you got Pat Mahomes, you have Travis Kelsey. And then honestly, right now, as far as like fantasy players, kind of end of list that you see multi-year growth from at this current time. Like I know I'm high on Sky Moore, and I've said he's been a 2023 draft pick this entire time, even though he's in you know the 2022 draft class. But I mean there's not a lot of receivers to talk about. Currently, there's like Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Michael Harden, the aforementioned Sky Moore. The running backs is Clyde edwards layer than a hodgepodge of old people like Jarek McKinnon and Daryl Williams. Nope, he's gone. Uh, who's the other running back? Isaiah Pacheco, Jarek McKinnon. Uh, Pacheco, I mean, Ronald Jones. We still forget he's still on the roster some days, which terrible offseason call by me. I will let everybody know. Um, but anyways, so Jance, who's like – how do you want to like phrase with this team going to four? Like who do you have other than like Pat Mahomes that has honestly like year to year value from this roster? Uh, that's the difficulty with this team. And we don't see this very often where this is, you know, one of the most explosive offenses in the league. But like you mentioned, besides really two superstars in Mahomes and Kelsey, it's and one just of 32. A, it's just a bunch of Jags out there. Or Sorry, a bunch of guys. Yeah. Um, so what we've got to keep an eye out for is to see if anybody can pop throughout the rest of this season. Now, let's start with the running back. I think we know, this is my personal opinion, that it seems as though the Chiefs kind of are like the Patriots 2.0 from the standpoint of how they view their running backs, that we thought, or many people thought in the offseason, that this was going to be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's opportunity, especially when we saw that Ronald Jones was, you know, not – it was going to be an active week one, um, and it just hasn't happened. And even though he has looked good in his time and McKinnon has popped occasionally, Pacheco's looked good, it's just we know their system and that, you know, any one guy is not getting a full workload in this backfield, despite the fact that at different times they're productive and productive enough to use in your fantasy lineups. 
So, you know, in the future, let's say they even draft a running back next year. They, they take one in like the third or fourth round or whatever. I think you can get excited about it from the standpoint of there's opportunity there. But until they show us differently, I, I think the upside is limited for anybody in this backfield. And even if Clyde is back next year, I think the one thing concerning this backfield going into next year is you've just got to tell yourself, hey, we know how they like to divvy up workload and we can't, you know what I'm saying, we can't get too hyped mm-hmm. up about this because of the way this ends up going. Yeah, I mean, hey, Jance, here's a question for you. Who is older, Isaiah Pacheco or Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Without looking, I mean, the way you, the fact that you phrase it to me that yeah. way makes it sound like Pacheco's older. He is older by a solid month. Meanwhile, Clyde Edwards-Alaire has had how many years in the NFL already? Two? Three? Third, yeah. This is his third year. So, I mean, everything you've said, I entirely echo. This upside is completely capped because – as long as, like, you know, I think, honestly, it's like you said, like, as long as Andy Reid is around and they're kind of adapting that whichever running back is working right now, as much as we may want a guy to be valuable, I don't know if there's ever going to be, like, that one guy unless for some god-off reason they decide to say, you know, take one of the next big studs next year, like, you know, Bijan, Jameer Gibbs, or even a Zach Evans to a lesser well, extent. And, and in all reality, I know – I know the talk right now is is let's get Christian McCaffrey to the Chiefs. Nope. I think from a real life perspective, great idea for the Chiefs. Fantasy perspective, I actually would not be excited about it uh-huh. for Christian McCaffrey. He'd be productive in his time, but it just you're not going to see those Carolina numbers. Um, so, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say so from like the running back position to kind of move on to the receivers. Uh, there's not necessarily a guy that we're, like I would say we could advocate like this is going to be the guy who's going to be here for the next two to three years. I mean, Pacheco is probably just going to have his bit as like a 10 to 12 touch guy who's just going to run up the middle, not really anything other than that. CEH has shown us that he's just going to be kind of a, he's okay at everything, but not really great at anything. And everyone else on the roster is either too old to care about, AKA Jarek McKinnon, uh, Wayne Gallman, or irrelevant, AKA Ronald Jones. So uh, dip into the wide receivers. I think this one, it's it's actually a little bit easier for me. I mean, honestly, the only receiver from this group that I want, like actively, is Sky Moore, just because they invested a direct, they invested, was it a second round? Yeah, a second round draft pick into Sky Moore. We've seen his playing time start to creep up week by week. He's starting to get more consecutive looks. And then everyone else on this team's just either has proven to be just a guy, aka Michael Hardman, MVS, I mean, Justin Watson. And then, or they're a guy who's kind of a retread on a retread in Juju Smith-Schuster, which, yeah, he hit great last week, but the three weeks before that, where was he at? So that's why I kind of feel like going forward, it's Sky Moore and nobody else. Because Travis Kelsey, unless you're a contending roster, move on. He's 33. All right. Well, in the context of this unit, as opposed to the running backs, the one hope is I think that the production of the receivers this season has been a result of the players – in the system, like you mentioned, they are just guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they were to acquire a DJ Moore, if they were to acquire somebody next year's draft and get an elite talent, that guy could be extremely useful. Now, obviously, we've seen it from a Tyree kill. Um, so there's hope in that standpoint. Now, in the context of who's there now, I think it's more centered on redraft from the standpoint of we've seen that Juju Smith Schuster, excuse me, is going to have his his pop weeks like last week against Buffalo. Mm-hmm. That is Valdez Scantling has shown that he's going to have his pop weeks. Um, the problem is it's just going to be really hard to pin down who's going to pop on a given week 
And so from that standpoint, if you have them, even in your dynasty rosters, it can be easy to bench them, but you got to understand that you're going to miss out on when those weeks happen. Um, with you, from the standpoint of the one that I would really want to have is Sky Moore in a dynasty context. I think Juju still has some appeal because he's he's having some better weeks, mm-hmm. but he's just not the guy who was in Pittsburgh. It's really amazing. I was thinking about this today that that first year in Pittsburgh was so, so glorious, incredible, and that he was you know, almost in his first year dethroning. Antonio Brown in that offense, and he was, I think going back at the time, he was easily a top 10 wide receiver dynasty asset at the time. And, and it's just not there. And even no. when you watch it, you watch the games and you watch it on film, there's just not a lot of juice. It's it's weird. He's got the movements, in my opinion, of a guy that's closer that to swing. 29 <laughs> than a guy that's, without looking at his age, he's probably 25, 26. And even looking at the current prediction of 2023 NFL free agents from a wide receiver position, <clears throat> I mean – Here's from the top name, just in a quick scroll. It was like Marquez Galloway, uh, Nikhil Harry, if someone wants to retread. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, end of list, because there's no one else that's out there that's currently exciting. Obviously, stuff could change real quick because someone could get cut. But, I mean, <clears throat> it is what it is. So I, don't, I mean, I think it's going to be Sky Moore's team next year. I really do. Um, I think we can both agree that Travis Kelsey is great, but unless your dynasty roster is trying to win today, Trade him, get him off your lineup because he's 33. The wall is coming sooner than his prime is. Uh, Go scoot on to the Los Angeles Chargers. Chance, take it away. So the Chargers outlook is it's very interesting from the standpoint of this receiving core. I cannot nail it down. Um, I came in this season with a lot of hopes for Keenan Allen, thinking that, hey, he's got a decent amount of tread left on the tires. Um, and I don't want to say that a hamstring injury all of a sudden throws out the window. I don't think yeah. that's a fair thing to say. But, it, you know, he, he has shown the tendency to at least suffer injury once a year that he'll miss anywhere from, you know, two to four weeks, it seems like, sometimes hamstrings. Um But with that context and of his age, the fact that he's having to miss out on at least half of his – age what 29 30 season um 30 yeah so I mean, he's getting up there and he's the type of guy uh that you know not to a full extent but does rely on some athletic ability that we could see fade here pretty soon so if you kind of missed the trey high window on keenan allen it may just be over because <laughs> it's going to be hard to get somebody for the value that you probably had at this point um but what I'm more interested in, and I'm more interested on your thoughts on it, is how do you feel about uh, Mike Williams? Because we had this discussion beforehand. I think we had a disagreement. In my opinion, I've always thought Mike Williams was somebody that was an elite talent at what he does best, being somebody that can be a deep threat and a high point catcher of the football. But I just didn't think that he can be the guy because he hasn't profiled to be somebody that can threaten all aspects of the field. And we've seen that this year to where he's had incredible boom weeks to where he's just been a super stud. And then we've had weeks like last week where he's just completely MIA. Yeah. And opportunities are not the problem because he's the, he's the number one in this offense and he's getting up to 28 years old. You know, it's almost like time's running out if we're hoping Mm -hmm. for that kind of breakout. No, I, I do agree that the window is closing for Mike Williams just because he is kind of aging out because he's 28, like you said. Um, 
I will say that I think that's just it's who he is as a receiver. He's a boom bust. He will beat someone downfield and he can jump over pretty much anybody and pull it down. So, I mean, I don't think we'll ever see that consistency, that consistency week in, week out. But what I will say is he is one of the boom bust receivers that I would be okay with starting through his probably year 30 season or until we see him like really lose a step or really start to mount those injuries, go straight through the roof. Um, but until then, like he's a guy that if you have him on a dynasty roster, you can hold on to him for another year just to see what happens. But we should have prefaced this at the top. If you are contending, you're requiring the old guys who are great now who are going to expire sooner. If you are not contending, you are trading these guys away for as much value as you can possibly get. Um, like for instance, like Mike Williams in a trade right now, you could probably finagle someone like Mike Williams and a bench piece for a 2023 two or for like a younger player or something like, you know, a younger receiver that kind of in the same headspace as him. But I mean, right. Well, uh, and Mike Williams to me is a guy that's easy to keep in your starting lineup. And what I mean by that is we just got off a discussion about Smith Schuster and mm-hmm. Valdez Scantling also in a, in a high powered offense. And like we mentioned, they're going to have their boom weeks every once in a while, but Mike Williams boom weeks are, you know, they're massive. They're game winning booms. They're game winning booms and they're a little bit more frequent. So yeah, you may have to endure two, maybe three weeks of relative duds before you get the boom, but they're high enough that similar to a Tyler Lockett that you just, you can't bench him because you've got to be able to get those hits when they happen. Oh yeah. And he's that type of guy to where even if he never does anything else besides be the guy that he is now, that's still a guy that you would love to just always slap in your flex position mm-hmm. and say, Hey, he might give me four points, which is not necessarily just going to act, you know, absolutely kill my team, but he also might go for 35 and win me a week. Yeah. And then I uh, kind of the, the youngest receiver actually signed their active roster right now is Josh Palmer, someone who's kind of been a little bit of a letdown this year, but I mean, I just feel like him and J- Justin Herbert have been on the same page. Keenan Allen's contract has an out to where next year they could cut him for 6.9 million dead cap. Not fun, but at the same time, if he tries to come back this year, he just can't do it. And then Josh Palmer takes even just an itty bitty baby step forward. You could be looking at the Chargers wide receiver two or the Chargers wide receiver one soon enough because next year, Mike Williams is 29. I mean, I know we've been harping on that, but I mean, there's in dynasty, you're thinking of that context of not necessarily even next year, but sometimes it's the two years down the road. If this guy just is average and, you know, if Josh Palmer is like a wide receiver too for the next two years, that's a win for your dynasty roster. Well, and I think Josh Palmer is a guy that you should be trying to buy low on. You probably uh-huh. can pretty easily because he's been, he's got his opportunity this year and it really hasn't gone as well as his owner or owners probably think it should be. But he's a guy that the team has mentioned time and time again that they really like with Keen Allen's, you know, the injuries he's have he's had in his age. Um, and what we just discussed with Mike Williams, he has a clear path to be somebody in this offense in the future. Now, that doesn't mean, obviously, he's going to reach that potential. But whenever you're trying to build a dynasty ro- roster, you're trying to find these diamonds in the rough, these guys that you can get for relatively low value but have high ceiling. And this is an offense that you want to have somebody like that, obviously. So that's somebody you should be buying low on. Definitely. I'm I- curious as to your thoughts on the running back room here because yep. the top end is obvious – but belief it's, that there's a lot of a uh, lot of uh so to speak. Um well, we can just I think establish it pretty simply like Austin Eckler, like I think he's gonna be great for the rest of this year. I mean, but I will also say that I think he is hitting the the three down running back wall to where 
he has the skill set to be a really good third down running back, and he will be that for, for probably another you know three years after this, all the way to his year thirty, um, her age thirty season. But as far as his every down RB one value, I'm pretty sure that this is the last year where it's going to be there because this team invested into Isaiah Spiller in the third round. This team has you know been giving run to Josh Kelly, was giving run to Sony Michelle, yeah. And so it's one of those things of you look at yourself in the face and ask yourself, it's coming into the 2023 season, Isaiah Spiller with a year under his belt, learning how to play in an NFL offense, probably has a higher chance of getting, you know, like 35, 65, or like a 40, 60 split with someone like Austin Eckler, because all offseason we heard them talking about wanting to keep Eckler healthy. And so far they've tried that, but now that everybody in the backfield's croaking with injuries, you're going to see Isaiah Spiller kind of be forced into an opportunity. Right. Well, with if you're an Austin Eckler owner, I think you have to find some solace in this from the standpoint of, of future. Obviously, he's great for you now. But just looking at his stats, save for his 16 for 173 a week, which is just nuclear, he almost has no value as a yeah. runner of the football. He just doesn't. Now, obviously, he runs for a few touchdowns. But, I mean, his yards per carry, besides that one game, have been terrible this year. It's not necessarily his fault. We know the Chargers have had some offensive line injuries. But what I'm saying is he's a fantastic pass catcher. And we've seen some of these backs in the past that in the twilight of their career have been able to transition to more of a, you know, a scat back slash third down back. And they just live off of catching the football and yards after the catch. I could see him doing that for the next two or three years mm-hmm. as a guy that can just be a very solid mid range to low end RB2 every single week even yeah. if he's not playing primarily on first down, but he's playing third down and some second down. Um, so even if you have him and you don't want to trade him, you want to keep him for the, the you know, how, what he is this year, I think there'll be some legs for you that he can still be very productive for the next several years. Not in the context he is now, but, you know, he'll, but have he, he'll be a constant kind of a flex guy that you'll never feel bad about playing. For sure. Uh, we'll truck along to, I think, a fun conversation about the Denver Broncos. Um, <laughs> yeah. Also, Justin Herbert, he's just he's he's that dude. Just don't trade him unless you get a haul for him. Um, speaking of guy who a haul got traded for him, but he turned out to be hot dookie fire. Russell Wilson. Um, this season's not gone as planned for the Denver Broncos, as you know, we can tell. Um, but I mean, it's one of those things of are they really would if as a franchise, would they consider dra- putting like draft capital into a quarterback next year? But the kind, of money that, the kind of money that Russ is guaranteed in the oh. way front offices think, you can't imagine they would. Oh, he's listen to this. He's there for the next – and through 2026 at least because, listen, his dead cat next year, just for kicks and giggles, $107 million. The year after, 85 The year after that, 49-6. Then $31 million. This is through his 30, age 38 season. He ain't going nowhere. No, I, unfortunately, I feel like this entire roster can be summed up is just one big massive hold in the standpoint of the roster because it, it's the talent is there, and we all know that from both a real life perspective and a fantasy. We both believe that Cortland Sutton is a very good wide receiver. Yeah, we believe that Jerry Judy is a an above average wide receiver. There, think, I was I was listening for the good. If you're going to say good, I was going to jump through the mic, but you above said above average. average. I agree. We see, I don't know, I know it's one game, but some draft capital. We see a guy like a Greg Dolchich that mm. kind of pops, and we have some hope for. And obviously, Javante Williams when he comes back. So there are a lot of guys to like in this offense, and guys that I think you would want to have on your fantasy roster because 
there are, there's upside there, but it's just so much unknown right now that even in my heart of hearts, I continue to think that this ship has got to get right because it's just like I just you feel hard that. to believe that Russ could just go from being an easy top six quarterback in the league to just just a dude. And in the blink of an eye, open. too, just a blink. And then you get all the off-field stuff about all of a sudden next teammates come out and say they don't like him, that he's fake. And I don't, obviously we don't want to get in those discussions on this podcast, but it doesn't mean they those do have real life yeah. consequences if they try to be true with locker rooms and stuff like that. So there's not a whole lot that you can do with these players if you're like saying, Oh, I want to move these guys and stuff like that. You're just holding them. Yeah. And you gotta see these next couple of weeks that hopefully they get something going. And I don't think it's necessarily entirely player driven. I think a lot of not a lot, but I, I a decent amount yeah. is put on, on Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, Definitely. this offense, we've seen and heard from many very well-known and well-minded former professionals and current professionals say this offense is not good. It's not designed well. So it's, uh, it's, I, want, I want your thoughts on it. I agree with literally everything you said. Like, we're on lockstep tonight just because you can't trade Cortland Sutton and get what you'll be wanting from him because we've seen him be a top, like, seven option in the NFL, and that was with freaking Drew Locke. Now, if Russell Wilson is just, like, mediocre, he's going to be a top 12, top 15 wide receiver, and you're going to love it on your dynasty roster. Yeah, I know he's 27, but I think he has the skill set, much like we said with Mike Williams, to where he could probably play until his age 30 season and be at least a startable asset uh, for you. For me, the real conversation, and we've had this before, so I'll just sum it up, like we talked about with Javante Williams after his injury. They said he has the same type of injury that J.K. Dobbins did. J.K. Dobbins took, it was a year and two months to come back into play. So you put that time scale onto him. That means Javante is coming back in November. And that means if they give him like some workload, you still can't play him until probably December at the earliest of 2023. Then his contract is running up in 2024. And we don't know what they're going to do. They could draft a running back in this upcoming draft because I mean, they have Melvin Gordon, Mike Boone, now Latavius Murray, and then just some, a bunch of guys, including those guys that I just mentioned. So they're not just going to stand pat. They're going to have to draft somebody because none of those guys are going to be around next year. Um, so, I mean, when it comes to Javante Williams, like you and I said, um, like if you're in an absolute rebuild, if Javante is on a roster that is kind of contending or is just out there in general, Send him a second round pick for next year and give him the spiel we just did. That, right. I mean, that's very well, convincing, not just because it's our argument, but just because, like, from a factual standpoint, we're still terrified to start J.K. Dobbins on a weekly basis now, and he has been playing for three weeks now. Right. Well, and that's you make a good point that if I'm a J- Javante Williams owner or if I'm someone that wants him, you need to look at him that he's he's probably not usable and usable in the context of an every week starter until the year 2024. I mean, that's, that's how you probably need to look at yeah. it. And so for that reason, like you mentioned, you could probably find some guys you can get them cheaper than you would have four weeks ago because they don't want to wait around. Um, but it, it just, it just puts even more murkiness into this whole situation. I mean, just, he's so talented. Yeah. And it's so hard so much he's last so good. He, like, we were ranking him in our top three or top four dynasty running backs before the season started. When I were having discussions of Brees Hall or Javante Williams, yeah. you know, eight weeks ago. Yeah. And, and now it's and now like we're, – Now we're talking that you might be able to get him for a second-round pick. I mean, that's yeah. where we're at. So. It, it's just the fact of 
knee injuries and the ACL injury, just kind of the timing of things. And so once again, from a dynasty perspective, you're not going to have a healthy Javante most likely until 2024. And that's depending, that's two full-blown NFL drafts, two full-blown free agency periods that the Broncos could say, we're not trusting his health. We need to get somebody else in here. And then all it takes is one guy to look halfway decent. And then his opportunity is out the window. Um, but we'll kind of transgress over. That's right. I said transgress. Cause I feel like it's appropriate to say that when I go to Las Vegas, uh, going to the Las Vegas Raiders um, from a dynasty angle, I feel like there's really probably only one name that has a conversation and it's Josh Jacobs and with him Zamir white. I feel like Derek Carr is going to be, he's a quarterback, even in two quarterback leagues, he'll be all right. Um, Devontae Adams, he's 30, probably going to have one to two more years of glory and then going to fade into the abyss, much like Julio Jones. They don't really have another wide receiver on the roster I care about. Darren Waller's the same thing with Devontae Adams, although his writing off into glory might be a little bit quicker. Um, so what do you do with Josh Jacobs or Mirror White? Because remember, Josh Jacobs' fifth-year option wasn't picked up in the offseason. Yet here he is being like, what, a top five fantasy back this year so far? He's been great. He's had a renaissance. I mean, if you're – it depends on where you stand on him. I mean, if you're a Josh Jacobs owner, you have to obviously have to be very happy with what you've gotten. And if you can get top-shelf value, I couldn't knock you for one to trade him. But I can't say definitively that it's just easy – you know, it's just an easy sell. Like, hey, this is just a flu. Josh Jacobs is going to come back down to reality. I mean, you know, I can't say I've been able to watch every second of Raiders tape, but – He's running like been four to, in the year, by the way. On I've been able to hear from what I've been able to see. They say it's 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 like rookie season, Josh Jacobs. That's how he's looked. Um, and so, you know, and there's there's more to it that you know you get somebody like a Devonta Adams on the outside, it probably does open up a lot of running lanes because you can't you can't sell out completely to just stop the run for this offense. So it's tough. I think Josh Jacobs probably finds himself. I mean, without looking at it. I'd say he's probably fringe top 15-ish in Dynasty, if I had to guess. Uh, Keep Trade Cut has him as number 16. Perfect. So that's about where I'd have him. So, like, for context, you've got, like, a Travis Etienne who's, like, 11 or 12. You've got Najee Harris who's in that same – who has fallen to that same lane. Who should be 11 or 12. Javante Williams is now in that type of range. Mm -hmm. Um, So – you know, I it's. Uh, let me pose this to you. We just talked about him. Would you rather have Josh Jacobs right now for, for what he is, or or what we you know just whatever you think he is versus Javante? As of right now, today, I would rather have Josh Jacobs because he's playing football. Next right. year, he, well, he could sign a new contract. Yeah, and next year he could sign a new contract and be somewhere else. But guess what? He will still be playing football, which means it's an asset that could increase his value, you know, exponentially even. Um. So, like, yeah, I would much rather have Josh Jacobs and Javante Williams as, like, once again, eight weeks ago we said that, laughing. LOL, no thank you, I'm good, move along, please. Well, and, here's, and here's the other thing to keep an eye on. And this is a new offense, so, you know, we're curious to see what the trends are here. One of the things we have been clamoring for, and he did this his rookie season, not so much since then, he, he had a lot receptions. of receptions. And he started off the season – Terrible receptions wise. He got one target in the first two games. We thought, here we go again. Josh Jacobs is just a touchdown dependent RB2. Since then, he has had no less than five targets a game, and he's doing a lot with those targets with 30, 30, and 40 yards in those games. 
So if they would continue that type of usage where they, where they sell out and they say, Josh Jacobs, you're our guy on third down. And I think there's – I mean, tell me this, uh, looking at their roster, who – I mean, who's their third down guy right now that they would turn to? Brandon Bolden's on that roster. Amir Abdullah's on that roster. But, I mean, there's, if Josh Jacobs can do it, why wouldn't you use him? He, he's, the, he's a better athlete than those two other guys, that's for sure. I mean, every time we've seen so, Brandon Bolden on the field or Amir Abdullah, we're like, oh, yeah, I remember your name three years ago when you are relevant. And so to answer your question previously, I think it, it dips Zamir White quite a bit. I mean, I was somebody that was pretty high on mm-hmm. in, the, in the pre-draft process just as a total bruiser. And that's not to say that he can't still be something in this offense. I'm curious to see maybe the Raiders after this season just they ship off Josh Jacobs and say, hey, you know, we didn't pick up your option. We appreciate what you did for us. Go find somebody else. <laughs> and Zamir White gets that job. Um, so he's worth having for that reason. But you can't feel any better about him than when you drafted him, probably worse. Yeah, no, um, it, it's like Zamir White's. He was remember the reason why he got a lot of hype was because the fifth option, fifth year option, wasn't picked up. And now I feel like you kind of have to start asking questions of like, why isn't he on the field more? Where is Zamir White? Why isn't he playing? I mean, because Josh Jacobs, he's looking good. And the original yeah. thought was he was kind of washed. He's just kind of just a decent, you know, first and second down running back. So I mean, like if you're a Zamir White manager, all you can do is hang out, see what happens. See if he gets injured, and then that, that's about it, and see what happens this offseason. Real quickly on Derek Carr, I, he's doing fine this year, both fantasy-wise and in real life, but they're not winning. You tell me this, with how long the Raiders have, have just invested in him and waited. If the Raiders' season continues as it has so far, what are they, 1-4 and four right now? Yeah. Let's say they finish 6-11 and 11 on a 17-game season. Do, the Ra- would the, do you think the Raiders would consider, in this quarterback class – taking a quarterback next year because i mean we've tried the Derek carr experiment and i mean it hasn't that that is his fault that team has been limited on its assets Mm -hmm. but i mean do you think they start to look at it and say hey he's just not the guy for this it's difficult because i am a resident Derek carr believer i think he has great talent i mean you just kind of look at what's been around him because the first several years whenever he had um amari cooper when he had michael crabtree like he was a consistent kind of top you know, 15 to 20 ish quarterback, which is very usable on a weekly basis. That means he just didn't suck consistently basically. But then whenever he kind of lost those big name guys, he had a dark period. Then Darren Waller showed up. He kind of a little, a little bit better. Um, I would venture to say that if the right guy is there at the right value, yes, I don't think they're going to trade up to get a guy necessarily, but you know, Derek carving 31, not saying that's the end of the rope because quarterbacks can play for forever. But I think with him kind of hitting that age of eyebrow raising is what I call it. It's where you kind of start looking at everything with a little bit harsher magnifying glass saying, does that, does that pass behind or is he, is he losing a little bit of arm strength or, or what? So it wouldn't shock me if they invested into a, you know, like a second or third round quarterback. Um, well, I think there'll be a competition. No, because I think Derek Carr is just a good quarterback. Like he's finished anywhere between quarterback 12 and quarterback 20 every single year of his career. And from a dynasty perspective, that's that that ain't bad, especially two quarterback leagues. Like he's the ultimate quarterback oh, too. Per- yeah, he's the perfect quarterback too for your roster, no doubt. But man, I mean, it's a good question because they were talking about it before this year. They were like, no one liked Derek but, Carr. They were fielding trades for him. And the bit. reason why I posed the question, I don't know what you expected. I don't know what the Raiders mm-hmm. expected. I my expectations 
were that four and one. This offense was was really going to take the next step with Devontae Adams, and it really hasn't. I mean, he Devontae Adams is getting his numbers. We expected mm-hmm. that, but the offense as a whole is just it's not that much different production wise than what it was. And so that's for that reason that I wonder if they just look and say, hey, you know, we we we've tried Derek Carr, we've tried him, and he's been fine. Let's go all in. Let's get him the best receiver in the league, and let's see what he does with it. And I wonder if they look at it and say, hey, he, it's okay, but it's not great. Um, and so it's just – it's a weird situation yeah. that he he's the ultimate good quarterback. I just – I don't know. It's hard to get a – it's hard to get a gauge on perhaps maybe how they feel about him. Total offense-wise, according to ESPN.com, the Raiders are the 10th best offense in the league, averaging 360 yards per game. It's not bad. But, and then whenever you switch over to passing yards per game, they drop to, it looks like, 12th with 240 yards per game. Kind of something like you and I exchanged with in the Texas. This has been a weird offensive year anyways in the NFL. I think I heard a stat from the fantasy footballers that it was like, as of today, the NFL has scored 100 less touchdowns than they did last season. Um, and that's obviously being reflected in fantasy lineups and just everywhere in general. So whatever's happening there, it's impacting everything. But, I mean, it's just like, I feel like this offense is effective enough that it's moving well enough, but it's not capitalizing on those big moments to where we go like, Oh my gosh, like they put up, they put up 31 points, two, three weeks in a row. This is an upcoming offense that can beat pretty much anybody. Real quickly. I know we're short on time. Short answer. Darren Waller still a top five dynasty tight end. Oh, you had to ask that question out loud. Um, I try to think about who I'd put above him and, I don't find more than five names. So I would say he's probably right at five just because tight end is gross. Um, Have fun if you're Darren Waller manager. That's all I can say. Um, Thanks for looking, looking good. God, don't be looking your radio. If you're into that sort of thing, (laughs) if you're into looking your radio, that's weird. Pull over before. So, so that way other people are safe, including yourself. But anyways, stick around for the second half of the show. We're going to probably finish run through another division of players. And then also, we're going to run through uh, the week seven matchups, which is by apocalypse happens. So it could happen, but stick around, reach up, tap that button twice. Tap, tap. So yeah, I started looking at my stereo and it wasn't that. Oh, wait, I hit record. Oh, snap. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> Anyways, welcome back to the second half. Uh, we're just going to jump straight into it. We're going to go to the NFC West. Talk about San Francisco 49ers. Now I hear they have a quarterback that was supposed to be good, but got injured. I didn't think he was supposed to be good, but I have to, I have to kick him while he's down. Okay. Sorry, Trey, get better, please. Quarterback <laughs> doesn't play football. Does anyone know if he's good? <laughs> Ooh, it's like a tr- if a tree falls in the woods, does it make any noise? The answer is probably, but I can't prove it. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we're going to go to the quarterback position from San Francisco first just because there is genuinely intrigue. Like Jimmy Garoppolo, he's came in, he's looked like an okay-ish quarterback. Um, but the thing is, is Trey Lance was supposed to be the guy then he broke his ankle and if you go back and look at the video you can see it break so if you're into that kind of thing like we you know we've been saying sure go for it um but so long term how do you view the san francisco quarterback position <laughs> i don't <laughs> the, the sample, is accurate i mean i mean what do you do with this position from the sample we we thought coming in this year we were going to get so much clarity and that this was going to be crystal clear. It's Trey Lance's team, Jimmy Garoppolo's trade to another team, you know, seven weeks ago, eight weeks ago. And 
we're basically exactly back where we were, mm-hmm. where the picture's no clear because even if Jimmy Garoppolo continues on his projection, which you you know you said that Jimmy Garoppolo, you know who Jimmy Garoppolo is playing like? He's playing exactly like <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> no better, no worse, and he's playing well enough that that he will demand a decent amount of money from somebody. He's a, he's a starting NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, Carolina would kill for him right now. Carolina would, yeah. Carolina probably wishes they traded for him instead of Baker Mayfield. Anyway, so you just, I, once again, I'm just, I don't know how this team can justify tying so much money into two quarterbacks because Trey Lance is not going anywhere. I can't get rid of him. So my my, if you're asking me today who I'm betting on, I'm still betting on Trey Lance to be the quarterback next year. As you should. And they trade away, or they trade away. Jimmy Garoppolo's done. His, his contract's over. He goes mm-hmm. and signs somewhere else. That's what I'm betting on. What this makes this team look like next year, I have no idea because <laughs> maybe, you know, Trey Lance continues to um, improve on his throwing mechanics and his arm over the offseason because he gets one more offseason. That's great. But you got to imagine that his mobility, at least to start, will be limited. Yeah. You don't just come off a broken ankle and just come right back into it with your fluidity. He's an athlete that's going to have to relearn to trust that ankle in the process as he goes through things. Exactly. So the future after this year gets. It gets pretty murky, so just live for today if you're a 49ers uh, <laughs> fan and if you are a fantasy owner owner um, of one of these players. You know, getting into the running backs, I'm sure that's where you were wanting to say, wait, to next. Yeah. Right, what are you – <laughs> you know, besides the, a few of the receivers, what do you do here? Because – Dude, this, I mean, this team, like – we want. We know that there is value with San Francisco. We've seen. I mean, like Elijah Mitchell was a top fifteen running back last year, and then the year before that, um, oh, who was it? Who was Jeff Wilson again? Yeah, Jeff Wilson was the year before that. Year before that, it was Raheem Mostert. Was Raheem Mostert. The year before that, it was another guy. So I mean, like, there is value to be had on this team. But the thing is, is like, are you gonna say it's Ty Davis Price, who they sunk a draft pick into this upcoming, you know, this previous year? Not really. I don't like the I don't really like the running back, but it's the system. I mean, Elijah Mitchell, yeah, he's good, but he can't stay on the field for whatever reason. I mean, it's just it, they have the unique situation. The fact of a 49ers running back is a guy I would love to have on my roster, but I don't want to pay much for him. Yeah. From the standpoint of whoever is the starter, they have value right now. It's Jeff Wilson. Like if you're telling me I could draft a team running back position. This is probably one of the top two teams that I want because Colby's they're going to be good. Colby has done that. <laughs> yes, he has. Yeah, Just so, so everybody knows, Homeboy has literally sank one to two draft picks in a, run, in a San Francisco running back every single year for the past couple of years and traded for others. Anyways, carry on. But that's the point is is you're just not getting your value back. Even if, for Elijah Mitchell, if you, redra- if you got him in redraft, you're not getting your value back. If you took him in Dynasty, you're not getting your value back. And part of that's injury with him, but it's – the 49ers have shown what they want to do with running backs. They have no ties mm-hmm. with anybody. They will put anybody in the system, and they say, our system is so good to run the football, we could put anybody back here, and they will thrive. And while that's good for the moment while they're playing, it's not great for your job security. And so it's kind of like a pseudo-patriot situation, but opposite. Yeah. From the standpoint <laughs> of you, you might be the bell cow, but their system is so good – that they're just willing to use anybody. So if you get any small injury and you miss a week or two weeks or whatever, ah. you might not come back to your job. Or if we draft a dude in the fifth round and he shows some pop, 
Even if we drafted you in the second, you're out. I mean, it just does not matter. I mean, that's what happened last year between freaking no longer on the roster, uh, Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell. They literally got rid of Trey Sermon because of Elijah Mitchell as they drafted somebody else. And remember that one time when we were all freaking out about Jordan Mason, the UDFA that they signed? This is why, is because there's value in this running back position, but I don't think they're ever going to have a guy. I think Shanahan's content with what's happening. Oh, we've seen that's just a philosophy for the, for this team. We've seen with the receivers, Dante Pettis. You get on on Kyle Shannon's bad side, you're gone. Bye, Brandon Ayuk. You give him issue, you're basically set for the entire first half of last season. I mean, it's just the way they do things. Now, on the receiver side of things, I think it breaks down, you know, a lot clearer from the mm-hmm. standpoint of Debo is who Debo is. He's a guy that is going to get a few receptions, but he's just going to find a way to live in the end zone. And I know that traditionally we. It's hard to like a guy like that because it seems unsustainable. But this offense is so efficient in their play calling and in what they want to do in the red zone that it makes it to where I can believe it. I mean, if he was getting these numbers on anybody else, I would say, hey, that's not sustainable. He can't yeah. keep this up. But with this type of play calling, that's what they want to do. They want to get him the ball in space any way they can. And he's talented enough and dynamic enough that he can make it work. Now, we and you were both correct in the fact that we said don't take him you know, and redraft where he was going. And you could probably even get a lot for him in Dynasty mm-hmm. than his value. He's not wide receiver six where he was going to redraft. Um, but he's still friends top ten. He's great. Let's see here. In Dynasty, Keep Trade Cut has him as wide receiver 11. So just for kicks and gigs. Players that this is saying you can get in an even Steven straight across trade is Chris Olave, Kyle Pitts, Jalen Hurts, Tyreek Hill. Um, first off, I would personally rather have Debo than all of them probably except Tyreek. Just saying. Um, but, but I mean, like you said, like, and plus this, the thing about the wide receivers are they're so closely tied to who the quarterback is. That's why the long-term view of these players are kind of in question just because we don't know who's going to be the quarterback next year. Like genuinely, we hope, we, we hope and believe it should be Trey Lance, but God forbid Jimmy Garoppolo gets into the playoffs again. Are you going to sit there and say, you're not good enough quarterback for us. We're going to go to the guy who's 381 passings in college. Right. Well, and, and we thought for that reason that Brandon Ayuk, this was going to be his year because he has been, he's the opposite of Debo Samuel, that he needs a guy that gets the ball downfield to him, and which is why I was telling people to buy into Brandon mm. Ayuk in the offseason. And as soon as Trey Lance went down, there went his opportunity. <laughs> now we've seen he's got the talent that even like last week, he took two different screen passes, I think, for mm-hmm. touchdowns. I mean, he is talented, but until the quarterback situation changes to where they can stretch this, you know, field more vertically, he's kind of just, you know, a boomer bust wide receiver three, and that's kind of what he's pegged into being, despite the fact that I think he's very talented. Oh, he's immense in this talented. offense. That's what he is. Um, tight end George Kittle, unless you're contending, you like, unless you're contending, you probably shouldn't have a top two tight end, top three tight end. I personally think George Kittle is just kind of in that ether of somewhere between three and like six in the tight end rankings. Like, I kind of lump him in there with the conversation with uh, like. Kyle Pitts, Dallas Goddard, Darren Waller, Hawkinson, um, Hawk, you know, Friar Muth, kind of people like that when it comes to dynasty context. But, I mean, you're happy Jimmy's back because we know that he's going to keep probably producing as a halfway decent tight end. Um, but, once again, if you're not contending, you shouldn't have a, probably a top five tight end on your roster. Um, going to the Super Bowl champion, now very defunct Los Angeles Rams, Um. I think this team boils down to their offensive line as garbage right now. 
injuries and losing players to retirement and free agency. Um, we'll just go real quick with the quarterback. He's 34. Is is Matthew, Matt Stafford still worth kind of having on dynasty rosters? Like, I think you could do much worse. Yeah, I mean, he's worth having. His biggest problem right now is his offensive line so bad. He's just not able to be yeah. who we know. Matthew Which Stafford looks is. very familiar to the, the Detroit days, days all over again. Uh, yeah, no, it really does. <laughs> uh, run, running backs, I think this is where we can have a good 2023 conversation here because for whatever reason, the Rams just spurn and hate Cam Akers. I mean, I don't know what he did to them, if he talked about someone's mother or what, but I mean – Dang, son, they're actively trying to find ways to get him off of their roster. Um, so just delete him from your thought process of being a Ram. <clears throat> but with Cam Akers, the player, uh, give me like, you know, 30 seconds on the top option for where he goes and like if he could be usable or like, you know, if he went to Miami or if he went to Denver now that they're down Javante Williams or, I mean, just kind of places like that even. Right. Well, I mean, the first you mentioned, one of the first places my mind would go would be like a Miami, um, which, is, which is difficult to say because they've got production from their running backs. That's the issue here is mm-hmm. I don't see a spot that Cam Akers comes into and he's just directly inserted into RB1 status. Best case scenario, he's just inserted right into the midst of a running back by committee. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Now, his best hope wherever he goes, whether it's to Miami Maybe a place like Arizona if they're done with James yeah. Conner. Um, is you hope that he can get to a place, establish himself enough to show, hey, I am recovered from this injury. I've got the juice. And then you come back into 2023, and then he can vie for a workforce role. Yeah, That's what and, you want. But but until we get clarity as to what, what is happening what here, the heck is happening? We, have, we have no idea who he is, what he is, what's happened, and – you just left with more questions than answers as far as he's concerned. Oh, and this is a Cam Akers believer over here. Like, it confuses the heck out of me. Like, I want him to go good a place that he'll get opportunities, but time will tell all. Um, as of right now, today, Daryl Henderson is the running back for the backfield, but looking at his contract situation is he's an unrestricted free agent after this year. And this is where I kind of want to tie in the 2023 rookie draft class coming up of this team has no high-value draft picks, their cap room is running thin. And what's the best way to solve both of those issues? The NFL draft. I would expect this team to probably draft a you know third or fourth round running back just to make sure they have a guy on the roster. And I wouldn't be shocked if he gets fed touches next season. So that's something that I will be watching over the offseason. Well, we got a blurb today saying that they you know expect to give Kyron Williams a prominent role in this offense once he comes back from injury. So it sounds like what the, at minimum what they want to do, they have an idea of who Daryl Henderson is. They want to give Kyron Williams to run and say, hey, what do you have for us? And then they can go in the offseason with everything they've learned and say, hey, is running back really a high priority for us? If it is, there's plenty of guys we can go get in this mm-hmm. draft class. If not, then at minimum, we could probably at least get somebody in the fourth or fifth round that we could at least add to this committee and be fine. So the biggest problem, I think, for this offense as a whole, running backs included, that needs to get shored up this offseason it's true up with some health, is that offensive line. I, at this point, I almost don't know who you put back there that could be productive because I think Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers are both talented backs. I don't think it's just their level of play that's that – Well, last has, year, freaking Daryl Henderson was running back 14 when he was well, the guy. The last three years, pretty much since, since Sean McVay has been there, obviously we remember Todd Gurley, how much of a stud. Until this year, whoever the running back was for the Rams was going to be a stud in fantasy, and it had been that every single year. And primarily, Sean McVay had decided to use primarily one guy. Yeah. And then this year, 
everything went out the window when this offensive line went down the toilet from this offseason. So I think there's promise in the future that we know that if they just get the guys in that line, this position can be very productive. But right now, we just don't have any way of seeing how that changes, at least in the immediate future. So all these guys are capped. And this team in general for me, other than Cooper Cup, during the summer will be the probably the summer of buy lows because I bet this team probably struggles to the playoffs or doesn't make the playoffs, and then they're going to get healthy on the offensive line, hopefully put some uh, draft pick investment into the offensive line, maybe sign a free agent running back or you know draft a, a rookie running back that they can play next year. They're going to be a team that I'm going to have my eye on because I trust in Sean McVay. Um, right. The wide receiver position – I think, once again, like Cooper Cup, I still say sell high while you can because his value can only go down from here. But I wouldn't blame you if you keep him. Um, he's 29, but honestly, the way he's playing, unless you get a haul for him, you're not trading him. Uh, I think the, the value question here is Van Jefferson because he's been injured all year when he's played. He's looked good. But, I mean, we're, we're, he's supposed to come back soon. Hopefully he has a role, but 2023, he could be the wide receiver too. Well, and that's what we're hoping for. Is last year he showed some flash, but he was capped because obviously Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, at the time Odell Beckham Jr. Before that, Robert Woods. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's coming back in. Allen Robinson is just not is he just not the guy. If you're still thinking he's the guy, I'm sorry, he's not. He didn't have it's it. My heart. He's tenth in the NFL in routes run. He's fourth in, I believe, it's intended air yards, and he's first in end zone looks. Yet he is garbage, which tells us washed. One thing you're hoping for Van Jefferson and you're hoping for this offense as a whole is they need a deep threat. They don't have one. That's what Van Jefferson does primarily is he gets downfield. And so for his, you know, for his value, first and foremost, he's a guy you could probably get dirt cheap um, in Dynasty and in redraft. You can probably find him on redraft easily. Um, but I think there is some promise we had here. I don't think he has the physical tools and he doesn't profile as a guy that could just be a bona fide wide receiver too in the standpoint of he can just do a lot of anything he really is mostly a primarily mm-hmm. deep threat guy but he's got the potential that best case scenario and he really continues to develop he could be like a deshaun jackson type guy which is a guy that could be a low end wide receiver that. too so that, yeah. that that's perfect that's best case scenario you're hoping for but he's a guy that i have and would like to have on my dinosaur roster just as somebody that right now you just stash and you just see what happens yep I agree with everything you said. I mean, plus next year, if he just if he does get that opportunity, and you did trade, you know, a third round pick and like Noah Brown or something for him this year, yeah, you're gonna be just rolling in the money. Uh, yeah. Moving on to something that's probably just as dysfunctional, but it's in in its own special way. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, um, quote unquote, coached by Cliff Kingsbury. Um, Kyler Murray, I'm for real though, Kyler Murray. Has not looked good, but he hasn't looked bad. But is this just a DeAndre Hopkins thing? Because he is coming back this week, I believe. And it's just like, is he just that good? Or is that just defense is paying attention? But anyways, Kyler Murray as a dynasty quarterback, is he still like a top three, top four guy? Or is he kind of slipping down? I think he's got to be a fringe top five. I mean, for me, you're taking Josh Allen, you're taking Patrick Mahomes, you're taking Justin Herbert. For me, I'm taking Lamar Jackson over him. That's about – and then Jalen Hurts. So, oh, I'm probably taking Jalen Hurts. I mean, that's I'll, – I'll read fantasy pros for you. So, you got – you nailed the first four. You nailed Jalen Hurts being number six, and then they have Joe Burrow at number five. And, that, and that's where my mind was going to go. You're looking at that six, seven range for Kyler Murray. And, and listen – the bones are there. He's got a great arm. He's got the running ability. He's not somebody that I think you run away from, 
But this offense needs answers, and it's probably going to take an entire clean slate offensively. Yeah. They they need a new offensive-minded coach, and this has been discussed ad nauseum if you've been listening at all. <laughs> the offense is just stale. Yep. There's no movement at the line of scrimmage. They don't put anybody in motion. They don't do anything to create matchups for their receivers, their running backs, anything. And so the fact that he's doing – relatively well from a fantasy standpoint. I know that in real life, you know, in the real games that it has been pretty and he's had a lot to be desired. <laughs> but in this kind of offense of how bad it's been, for him to even be putting up just quarterback one numbers at all, I think is encouraging. So sure. I think it's just somebody you want in Dynasty, redraft, maybe a different story. But I think he's still that guy. Uh, in the running back position, it's kind of an open world. I mean, James Conner had 18 touchdowns last year. That's where all this value came from. I told you guys to trade him in the offseason. I hope you listened. Um, but he's 27, always injury prone. You know, Benjamin's a seventh-round guy that, I mean, he looked okay last week, but he's never going to be anything special. They drafted Keontae Ingram, I believe it was in, like, the third round? Fourth round? Out of USC. Sixth yeah. round out of USC. Um, so this is another backfield that I think – in the, the season of the Dynasty Summer, we're going to be listening to see which names get linked to this backfield of this team because we've seen production from Arizona, but they don't really have that guy right now. They don't have that dude because we believe going into next season that they should be a you know fruitful offense. They should be able to move the ball down the field and at least have plenty of red zone looks, which means opportunities for your running back to score. Um, but as of right now on this roster, like I don't see – "Quote unquote, like that dude. Not I don't right. see that guy. The guy, the guy of the Arizona Cardinals' future running back is not on the roster, in my opinion. I mean, <laughs> this has got to be of all the teams that you could put in a pre-draft for next back, year. Yeah. As far as who's in the line for a running back, they got to be near the top of the list. Uh-huh. Know, they just do. Um, because, like we said, I mean, their offensive line, yeah, it's not the best, but anytime you had to have a running quarterback it's going to open up lanes for your running back. And Kyler Murray, as long as he remembers how to run the ball, he should be okay. Um, I'm trying to look up how, like what, uh, how many draft picks they have because this will be a team that I'll be closely monitoring to see if they have uh, – if they pick a guy um, in the draft. Let's see here. Um, they have – oh, Shia LaBeouf. I don't have that. Oh, well, I'll Let's look just say they second. continue on the trajectory, and I assume I, – I, I believe they have their first-round pick – they're probably going to be picking somewhere in the neighborhood. I say that they're two and four. They're going to be in that sixteen to twenty range, probably. Of teams, they, in twenty twenty three, they have their one, two, three, four, five, and they have um, a sixth round from the Raiders, and they have a seventh round from the Raiders. So, to me, they profile in that context. Let's say they really want a running back. Probably not going to take him in the first round because most of – even the elite of the elite in this class profile is late first-round running backs. So they're probably taking somebody around two or three. So they're still going to get an upper-tier guy without looking at at a list if they went that direction. But more so than that, they just – they need a new identity. They need an overall on this offense, and then we can see where this goes. And the same thing is the case for the wide receivers because they have have talent. DeAndre Hopkins, while he's not what he used to be, he's still very good. Marquise Brown has flashed – much more than I thought he would in this offense. He's been great for fantasy. Agreed. And Rondell Moore, even though it's only been two weeks since he's returned from injury, they are using him to his strengths, and he's seemingly blossoming com- uh, compared to last year. So, I mean, there are dudes in this offense that you probably want to have, but for whatever reason, there's just a lot of dysfunction here. Mm-hmm. 
I think this is just going to be a team that uh, over the dynasty summer, like I know I've said that four times, but I mean, whatever, um, as we kind of bring this team to a close before we go to Seattle, um, this is a team that has a lot of fantasy potential, a lot of fantasy upside. So over the summer, keep your ear to the ground and listen to the drumbeat of who's going to end up on this team. Because I think whether it be a big bodied wide receiver, because they have the small guys, they have the fast guys, they have the slot guys, but they don't have that big body guy. Cause next year, DeAndre Hopkins probably not going to be there, or he's going to become kind of like that age 31 sketchy part of the career where from a dynasty manager perspective, you're not going to want to really have that sticking around your roster too much. Um, but this will be a team where I'm eyeing closely the entire offseason just to see who shows up here because they will have a chance at being like a top 24 guy at whatever position it might be. Um, going to Seattle, um, we'll start real quick with the quarterbacks. I would definitely say they're probably in the market to get a quarterback in the upcoming draft no matter what happens. You would you would think so, and I agree with you, but I could I, I heard this and I could totally see it. That Pete Carroll has seen what's happening. He's like, you know what? We're fine with Geno. We're fine. No, I'm not even kidding. I could totally see them saying, you know what? Geno Smith and Drew Locke, they've given us enough to do what we want to do, which is primarily pass the ball just enough and run the football and just play enough defense. I could totally see the Seattle at least foregoing a high-end quarterback next year and deciding mm-hmm. to go with somebody in the fourth round. I could see that. I don't want to, but and, I could see that. And it's just – it's what they do. It's the Seattle Seahawks. Like, for instance, I imagine that if they do have a decent year and, like, their quarterbacks just end up not sucking by season end, they're going to say, okay, screw that. Let's invest into the offensive line. Let's invest into the defense in areas that of weakness. Because, you know, you got your running back for the next three to four years and Ken Walker and whoever you want to put behind him. Um, your wide receivers, DK Metcalf is only 25. You have a third round wide receiver, Dwayne Eskridge, you drafted last year, and that's just sitting around. Um, this team is going to be halfway decent, so I think they're going to really invest in the offensive line of defense in their upcoming draft. I mean, so like the quarterbacks, I think, like you said, I mean, honestly, now that we talk about it, are, will probably be surprisingly okay going into 2023. Um, next season, do you think Ken Walker, we're talking about him as a top five dynasty running back, or is he going to be kind of in that, like pushing that territory? I think he'll be pushing. I really think he will if, if this season goes like it, like it looks like it will. Because I don't think Rashad Penny is going to be in the picture, at least not the context he was this year, obviously. Yeah. If he can finish out this season doing, you know, I would say just well, it doesn't have to be amazing, but just well. He's going to get a lot of hype over the offseason. He's going to be lined to get. The bell cow work, and once again, we've talked about it ad nauseum that this that we know how this offense wants to work. It wants to go through the running game. Um, so I would say he's probably going to end up in that nine to six range. So I, he's probably not going to crack quite crack top five, but that's where I would end up putting him more than likely. But this is why you drafted him. This is why you waited on him in redraft. And this is why I trade away Damian Pierce, Damian Pierce for him. <laughs> Still <laughs> Which, think that's a win. Well, I, I think it's a win too. Not not any shaded Damian Pierce. He's been fantastic. Yeah. But you know you have to win on these guys because you believe in the talent and they just need the opportunity. And it's been it's been two weeks, two a week and a half <laughs> for him. So we'll slow our roll on this. But everything that we can see here tends to show that Ken Walker is going to be. As much as we can, as much as we think, we thought John Javante Williams was this, the injury derails it. But as much as we can, we think he's on that upward trajectory to be a future top five dynasty aspect or dynasty 
running back in his position. Real quick, real fun question for you. So if someone sweeps the leg and sw- sends you a 2023-1 and whatever mid-tier running back that you want for Ken Walker, would you consider it or is it a hard pass? One oh, I, think I, would con- I think I would consider it. Now, I'm a big believer if you are still close enough to your former draft in comparing value that for me, Ken Walker – is returning exactly the value you placed in him, yeah. which is probably two or three in your dynasty draft. That's what he was. Assuming the pick you're getting in that context, let's say it's just assuming it's, it's pick six, exactly mid-tier first round, plus you're getting a decent level running back, then I think you strongly consider it because you've only gone backwards, let's say relatively three picks from what you just got value plus another guy. I'm not saying I would trigger but it's certainly but it's, something. It, yeah, it's, it's at least a solid foundation piece moving forward. Um with the wide receivers, um, Tyler Lockett's 30. Um, I'll look at his contract real quick. Um, DK Metcalf's 25, Dwayne Eskridge is 25. Then it's just a bunch of guys. Um, I really feel like this next season will be DK Metcalf plus somebody. Um, I know they so they did just sign um Tyler Lockett, so he got the bag. So I don't think he's going anywhere. But I think it's just with his his type of player that he is that he kind of is a one trick pony. He's a downfield guy. And when that goes, that goes really fast. Um, so I would be trying to capitalize on whatever value you can. Meanwhile, um, DK Metcalf and especially Dwayne Eskridge, I think are both kind of on more of the buy low tier, like Dwayne Eskridge is the buy off of waivers kind of low, but um, I, there, there is hope yet. I will say that because DK Metcalf is an ultimate athlete. Um, and so if you can get him, like I would be considering like, you know what, Someone said Jahan Dotson a 2023-2 for DK Metcalf. I'd stare that one down for a hot minute. My problem, if you want to consider that with DK Metcalf, is that he's he's very good. But, you know, he came out so strong in his rookie season, especially after the combine. And we just – we kept we expected more. We said he's going to take that next step. And then we just keep saying it, keep saying it, keep saying it. And he's just kind of the guy he's been. And I'm not saying he can't take that next step, but – from the time his rookie season came in, we thought it's just a matter of time before he replaces um, Tyler Lockett as the de facto yeah. number one offense. And it's still ha- – I mean, it's almost regressed the opposite way to where Tyler Lockett prior to this year really was just the guy that boomed every three or four weeks and was insanely frustrating to have on your fantasy roster. And he's almost evolved more than DK Metcalf from the standpoint of he's almost become a weekly starter – like you were hoping DK Metcalf could be. Mm-hmm. And so they're really a 1A, 1B in this offense. And he's, what, three, four, he's six years older than him. Yeah, he's, so, a, he's, he's an old man. For that reason, I think DK Metcalf is a solid wide receiver, too, without without having the rankings in front of me, wide receiver dynasty rankings. He's probably well, – he's just behind that Tyreek Hill threshold that we just talked about where you say about like 14-ish. I, I that's, that's where I, I would – higher than that. I would probably stick him back there around like 15 to 16 just because of uncertainty with the quarterback and stuff like that because Fantasy Pros actually has him at 11, which I think is too high. Is it too high for me? And it's not that I don't think he, he it's impossible <laughs> for him to be that guy, but he, it's almost like he's just become stagnant. Yeah. And this offensive cap that they're under with their quarterbacks is not helping the situation. Yeah, I mean, and real quick before we move on to uh, kind of the game preview slash, you know, one, one thing to watch from each game uh, – 
here I'm just going to list off some names, starting with DK Metcalf, currently number 11. I just want you to say if you take the guy above or, if, you know, he's below DK Metcalf. Um, Tyreek Hill. Above. Amon Ra. Above. Uh, Michael Pittman. Above. Drake London. Above. Chris Godwin. Above. That's close, but I, I think I'd take him. So then we're at Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. My ISP is garbage, and if you live in our area, I will not disparage this people's name, but uh, I get very suddenly unlinked very often. Wink, wink. Um, but basically, we just had a conversation where we pushed DK Metcalf from 11 down to 17, just um, probably just above or just behind Garrett Wilson, depending on the day. Um, rolling through the games real quick. Um, the New Orleans Saints are playing the Arizona Cardinals on Thursday night. DeAndre Hopkins, if he plays, are you playing him? Hesitantly, yeah. I mean, they've talked about him being on a snap count. That's not at all encouraging, considering he hasn't been missing because of injury. It's been because of uh, suspension. But uh, yeah, I'm still I'm starting him as a, as a flex. Oh yeah, and if if Eno Benjamin's the guy, and we hear that James Connors out, you play him, you'll be okay with life. Alvin Kamara, he should just roll through. Um, kind of going to more as a flex as well. I would, yes. especially in PPR. I'd agree with that. Uh, Cleveland Browns going to the Baltimore Ravens. Kind of feel like this one's going to be a Lamar Jackson revenge game. I really do. I just think he's salty about what happened last week. But the question is, what wide receiver is he going to throw the ball to? That's the question. Is well, if Rashad Bateman's not back, it's his name is uh, Mark Andrews. Mark <laughs> Andrews. Uh, yeah, I mean, Mark Andrews is the, pretty much the only guy in this offense that you can start. I mean, Ken, uh, Kenyon Drake, you can consider, mm. especially if if. They go ahead and decide to sit J.K. Dobbins because he had a little bit of a tweak to his knee. You could probably start him, find worse guys to start behind him. But I'm with you in the context of I just think this game's going to have a lot of points in general. Now that these defenses are great, and between Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and Amari Cooper, even David Njoku, I mean, on the Browns side, I think it's almost starting everybody. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. Uh, J.K. Dobbins – if you can get away, get away. I mean, the main reason why they said they didn't play him last week was because the New York turf is notorious for ripping people's careers in half. Um, so that's kind of why they stopped playing him after they said his knee got a little tight. Um, going on to the next game, um, Tampa Bay is going to Carolina. Easy to, easy statement right here. You only start Christian McCaffrey from the Panthers, from the Buccaneers. Yes. Do we need to go in or is that, that enough? <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, the Falcons going to the Bengals. I think this one has a chance to kind of be almost an offensive showdown. Um, but I feel like ultimately, you know, this is just going to be a Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T Higgins kind of game. Joe Mixon's going to get his, uh, the Falcons. They're going to compete, which means, I mean, in everywhere you can start Drake London, Kyle Pitts. I personally am still trying to get away from if you could trade high, you should do it because in redraft, because he caught a touchdown and dynasty. I'm still saying, Trade him while he has immense value. And to build off that, I mean, Kyle Pitts at this point, certainly in redraft on a week-to-week basis, has transitioned into pretty much that 6-10 to 10 and everybody else range, which just catches a touchdown, good for you. If he doesn't, it's going to be gonna be bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Detroit going to Dallas. Honestly, I feel like this is going to be a really good game. Uh, Dak Prescott might be making a start, so if he plays, you play him. Um I'm just I'm very intrigued to see what happens with this game just on offensive, you know, offensive sides from both sides of the ball. Yeah. 
the Giants going to you there for a second. Jacob. No, you're, you're uh, good. Uh, Giants going to Jacksonville. Is other than Saquon, do you have confidence with anybody? Like on either roster, honestly. I mean, Travis Etienne has gotten to the point where he's probably flex worthy. Christian Kirk, I don't think you can get him out of your lineups because we've seen him be productive. So I would still be starting him as a as a flex mm. or wide receiver two in some cases. The one guy I really want to keep an eye out for though, because he did come in and played only 14 snaps, but was very productive. What with it was Wandell Robinson. We've yeah. been saying it over and over again. I wouldn't quite start him. But it's very important that you keep an eye on it because this could be the guy that is the one person that can actually catch passes in this offense for the rest of the season. That's the hope and the prayer. And we, we are seeing the shift from James Robinson to ETN happening. So I think this is probably one of the last buy low windows in both dynasty and redraft for him. Moving straight into the Colts going to Tennessee. Now, Jansen, my question for you is if Jonathan Taylor plays, yes, you play him. But if he doesn't, is Deion Jackson still a smash start? Uh, after last week, if he can continue to get the kind of target share that he got last week, of course he will. But we've seen because this Indianapolis offensive line has not been great is I think Matt Ryan, well, Justin Herbert passed him on Monday night. If it's safe for Justin Herbert, Matt Ryan has the most passed attempts in the league right now. So if something happens and Jonathan Taylor's not there, expect him to continue to put the ball in the air, continue to expect Deion Jackson to get a lot of targets. Yeah, Deion Jackson's a guy I may or may not be trying to pedal low to a certain Jonathan Taylor manager in our OG league. Um, I didn't say that out loud. Um, from the Tennessee Titans, it's Derrick Henry and no one else. Um, you can't have confidence with any pass catcher. I know Robert Woods looked like a usable player recently, but I personally will still be trying to run. Um, now, would I be so obscene to say that the Green Bay Packers going to the Washington Commanders, that this game should be a commander win? Am I just that like am I just outlandish with that statement, or is that like real? No, I mean I, I don't disagree with them the same. I, I don't know that I'd say they're favorites, but without looking at the line for this game, I can't imagine it's more than 37, 38 I would I'd put it like four, like a minus four for the Packers. I mean, I, I'm curious. I'm gonna look it up right now what the line for this game is if you want to yeah, continue it, for a second. Yeah, no, I got you. Um I just I can't trust anyone from this game. Like, yeah, you're still I was like Aaron Jones, go for it. I don't really want to start any pass catcher. Maybe Alan Lazard. I mean, Robert Tunyon had 10 receptions last week. Alan, Alan Lazard has been consistent. I would probably start him this Washington secondary. He's not good. I think Robert Tunyon is a guy to keep an eye out for because now with Randall Cobb being out for with his injury, uh, I think – let's see. What is the nature of his injury anyway? Uh, they said it's a high ankle sprain, so he's going to miss probably at least three to four weeks is the guess. But I, I could certainly see – and this, this is probably why I got Tunyon in a few leagues. I could see that after his target share last week, that Aaron Rodgers just looks at this whole situation and said, you know what, I've been doing my part trying to get these rookie wide receivers involved, but I'm just going to go with the guys that I know can catch the football yep. and guys that I know I can trust, and Tenyon's going to make that list. So I'd certainly keep an eye on him. Yep. Uh, from the Washington running backs, like, yeah, sure, you can start Brian Robinson. <laughs> so, yeah, like I was saying before, our loving provider lovingly shut off the uh, you know video that <clears throat> the commander's backfield sucks. So do time restrictions. Um, don't feel safe starting anyone from Washington. And that means anyone, especially with Taylor Heineke coming in at quarterback. Um, anything else from Green Bay before this thing punches us in the face again? Uh, uh, I think it's it's pretty cut and dry here. Yeah. Uh, going to the Jets, going to Denver. Honestly, Brees Hall and probably Cortland Sutton are the two like 
got to start him. Um, and honestly, I would probably start Latavius Murray, TBH, after what we saw um, last week over a disgruntled Melvin Gordon. I think he's going to get so hard to say because we they're giving us two different things. Because I sat Melvin Gordon clearly at the end of the Monday night game, but then they come out this week in the press conference, and Nathaniel Haggett says Melvin Gordon didn't do anything wrong to get benched, and they even impressed him on it, and he says Melvin Gordon's our starter this coming week. So I I don't know what to think and because of the coach speak. I almost just go hands off because we just don't mm-hmm. know at all what they're going to do. That that's definitely probably a smart approach to do. Um, but yeah, other than those two, other than like Brees Hall, Cortland Sutton, everyone else is benchable in single quarterback leagues. Yeah, the, the, the DSTs. Both DSTs should be great. Uh, going to Houston, going to the Raiders. Um, once again, pretty cut and dry. I feel like it's Damian Pierce, Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, end of list. Even if Darren Waller plays, honestly, I'm not going to be too stoked to play him um, just because we've seen him with hamstring injuries be kind of fickle. I mean, will say, though, Nico Collins is starting to catch up to Brandon Cooks for the Texans receivers. Brandon Cooks is beginning to be a guy that you could find a way to bench him. Even this week, he may be able to. Uh, Seattle going to the Chargers. Hopefully, this is an offensive explosion that we catch back up on some of those 100 touchdowns missed. Um, honestly, I think you can start pretty much everybody in this game. Is you know the exact opposite of the last couple of games we've talked about. Uh, like I'm okay with Geno, Justin Herbert, Eckler, Ken, <clears throat> Ken Walker. Pretty much any receiver you want to name, sure, go ahead and throw them out there, see what happens. Um, hopefully it's kind of an explosion. Yeah, this will probably be one of the one of the games I have tuned up come Sunday. Be, be one of the lone bright spots. Then <laughs> uh, we got a Super Bowl rematch with Kansas City playing San Francisco. Um, yeah, this is a weird game, gross game. I don't want to play any running back in this game. If you can get away it's, from it. It's – in a tough spot, I mean, I'm, I'm having to start Jeff Wilson in a couple of leagues, so I think you can do worse than him. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's tough because this just, just seems like a week that CEH is going to get back in the end zone. There's no way to plan that. There's no way to justify it, but it just seems like it. Um, I do think you can get back on board with with one or two of the Kansas City receivers, even though this is a good 49ers defense. It's not currently because they have suffered so many injuries, especially mm-hmm. in the second year on the back end. So last week, Atlanta had no issues dealing with them. So somebody's going to do well in this passing game other than Travis Kelsey. It's just we don't know which one it's going to be. So take your shot and hope you hope you land correctly on that one. Echo everything you just said. Um, start Debo Samuel. Brandon Ayuk is a decent flex, but you could be worse. Um, they're going to have to score a lot of points to stay in this game. So you yeah. would think the, the uh, 49er receivers. Because that back lot. half of the 49er defense has beat the heck up. Um, Pittsburgh goes to Miami. We should see the return of Tua Tungabailoa. If Tua plays, you play him. Kenny Pickett, um, we've heard head coach Mike Tomlin come out and say that if he passes protocols, he will be the starter. So he already went through a full practice today as of on Wednesday. So props to him. Uh, Najee, you going to play him or start or sit him? Uh, if you can get away from him, I would. I mean, we have no reason to think it's going to get a lot better. Now, the one thing I will say that was a surprise for me to hear, number one, Najee came out and said that he is 100%. So, say it for what you will. Lies and slander. Secondly, he came out this week. They said that for the first, what is this? We're yes, week seven, I heard this. Came out, was playing with a metal plate in his shoe. So and you're 100%, right? In his shoe. So, 
I mean, maybe that's worth something. I don't know. I would think that that's got to be limiting a little bit. <laughs> you don't wear a steel plate in your shoe if there's nothing wrong with your foot. Right, clearly, clearly having the steel plate taken out is what allowed him to catch that touchdown pass <laughs> wide open in the flat. Obviously. Other than a broken coverage, he would have been garbage again. Uh, um, stay away from him until you until you see otherwise right now. Definitely. Um, Raheem Mostert, sure. Go for it. I believe in you. He's getting the majority of touches right now. You could do worse. Um, wide receivers, honestly, from Pittsburgh, I want to stay away if I can, or they're flex at best. Tyreek's yeah. a go. Uh, Jalen Waddle, watch him. He is hopeful he should be able to play. The head coach, Mike McDaniel, came out and said the same thing. Um, I think it'd be wise to either have someone else from this game or the Monday game ready to fire up because just in case he does not play, you want to have that backup option. Probably one of the, some of the top names you can find out there on waivers is like Tyquan Thornton from the uh, Patriots, maybe even like uh, Cedric Wilson or Trent Sherfield, both on the Dolphins. Um, just have a backup plan ready. If he does not play, I think Mike Jacecki will have a good game. Um, Pat Fryermuth, I think he's supposed to play, but he's one with a dynasty angle I'm kind of getting concerned about because he's had now three concussions in two years in the NFL, which it's not pretty. You don't want to end up sound like Gronk in a lot of those commercials. I love Gronk, but <laughs> come on, buddy. Uh, Chicago versus New England, aka New England's the DST one on the year or on the on the week this week. Start Ramondre Stevenson and uh, <clears throat> move on from this game. <laughs> yeah, I think you can probably you could probably start Jacoby or Jacoby Myers in a PPR league. Uh, it's tough to say. I mean, this is not the game you want to have to start him. I have to in our Empire League, but Darnell Mooney, there are you're beginning to see signs of life from the standpoint of he's had two. We hope. The last three the last three weeks have been decent compared to his start, so you want to continue to see that improvement. But you can't trust him unless you have to, like I have to. And <laughs> it's but a very rough feeling, I imagine. I, also, I think you want to keep an eye on the running back carries here. I mean, Dave Montgomery. This is yeah for now. This is his team, but Khalil Harbert looks great i mean they did, they, these guys do not look much different so they did recently come out and say that uh they're gonna see more of a split between those two so like you said it's interesting uh hey gents in conclusion uh guess what miles sanders is the running back 13 on the year can't wait not, to see a picture of you in miles come, sanders jersey it's gonna come down to the wire i'm gonna you feel good up. about your position i still feel pretty good about my position i'm gonna so. make it a fat head i'm gonna text you after this conversation after we do you know talk about this because what are we going to do about, like, Cordero Patterson is going to have, like, you know, five less games played, DeAndre Swift, players like that, but semantics. I mean, we, got, we got the limit. If they play 12 – if they if they log 12 games that they, they weren't injured, like, above they him or whatever? Yeah, okay. okay. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. But thank you for sticking through this wonderful, beautiful, hectic back half of the episode. Uh, God bless internet service providers and our platform we get to record on, Jantz. Uh, Thank you, as always, for suffering through and for talking football with me. It's always a good time, amigo. Go fund me for better internet connection for both of us. Yeah, no, honestly, like a GoFundMe. <laughs> I will sell pictures of my dog. Does that help? And only fans. I was going to sell pictures of you. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> uh, you can find us on our socials on Twitter at Misfit underscore FF or through our email at the.misfit.ff at gmail.com. Um, like always, thanks for listening. Sorry stuff was chaotic. Maybe it'll be better next time. I promise nothing. See you guys later.